Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the world's greatest boxing podcast, I Like Boxing with Joe and Joel. I'm Joseph Caulfield, joined as always by the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, the man who now wears glasses. I think I look a little bit Clark Kent actually, Joe. Yeah, yeah. It's a pleasure to, to be in your company once again, the, the one and only Joel Hillier. So Joel, how are you? I'm good, thank you, man. How are you? I'm all right. I'm not good. bad. Did Just, you have a good uh, weekend? And Yeah, it was yeah. good. Um Took a trip, uh, other than watching the boxing, took a trip to Colchester Zoo on the Sunday. Although I have to say, I'm going to shit on them a little bit. Probably Good. like all the animals yeah. that live there. Took us an hour to get there, right? And then it took us literally one more hour to do that one mile drive. You deserved it. It was shocking. You deserved it, mate, because you went to a zoo. Yeah, I know. Zoos are shocking. Yeah. Zoos are wrong, mate. I, I went London Zoo about a year ago and I told myself never again. Yeah, did went you? Went in there, everyone's looking all happy and all that. Like penguins in a swimming pool. Yeah. That's not right, mate. Did you have a mental health breakdown? <laughs> no, but I think some of the blooming occupants of that zoo did, mate. They probably, yeah. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not saying I'm a fan of zoos. Well, the, the kids are like animals. So, you know, it seemed like one way to kill a Sunday. <laughs> I would enjoy as a parenthood. But mate. yeah, I'm never going there again. If it takes an hour to drive a mile to get into a zoo, I'm I'm sorry, it's not worth it. That's too much. Well, you it know. takes a, an hour to drive to my mother's house these days because of Haringey Council. So thanks, guys. Oh yeah, because they have all the um, they've got all these roads that you can't drive down now. Yeah, yeah, you've got all these like sort of rich people that have now moved to Haringey and then decided that actually they don't want to live in a city and they want to be rural. Yeah, and so they don't believe that other people should be on their roads. <laughs> and so they've managed to somehow petition a council to then close off their roads, forcing everyone onto main roads. Yeah. So it's just complete bottleneck, pollution everywhere. Yeah. Bottleneck, it's, it's outrageous. If you want to live yeah. in the countryside... Go to yeah, the countryside. Go to the countryside. When you come to London, the whole thing about London, yeah, is that you can get about nice and quick. Yeah. You can do stuff, the convenience factor of being here. And yeah, there's pollution and there's people. Yeah. Right, that's just... you. That's, that's the trade-off. That's how it works. Right? So if you... <laughs> Ain't involved in that and you don't want to get involved in that. Can you piss off elsewhere, please, and stop ruining, ruining things for Londoners? Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. No, good, fair play, Joel. You, you just hit the nail on the head yet again. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Right, we do a boxing podcast, so we should get on with the boxing. Right, let's talk about the Art of Better Be of Anthony Yard fight. What a fight. I have to say, oh, what, it was just a pleasure watching it. I don't really know where to start because... Um, it was so good. but uh, So I'll just jump straight in there with the question, Joel, what are your thoughts? This was just one of the best title fights held in the British ring in the modern era. Yeah. I think it was that good. Yeah, I think round five probably goes down as the best of, round yeah. in a British ring of the millennium. Yeah. I can't think of a better round. Round six was pretty good as well. They weren't bad. And round <laughs> yeah. seven was probably better than six. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was, but i tell you what, the only round that you could say was pretty uneventful was the first. Yeah. Every other round, mate, yeah. it was just going off. It was brilliant. Um I think you said it was a mismatch. I did say it was <laughs> a mismatch. You, let Joel. me go. Let me slowly <laughs> over the next ten or fifteen minutes apologize. <laughs> rain that one back yeah. in <laughs> whilst trying to keep a semblance of my dignity about yeah. it. Right. No. Another takeaway from this was Baturbiev was actually pushed to show his full arsenal here yeah. by a challenger who was superior to any of his previous opponents. Yeah. 
we got peak Baturbiev on Saturday. Yeah. And that was lucky because we saw something that was special. Man. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, his sense of time and distance, his power, the smoothness to his work, his stamina, it was all just absolutely top notch. The other thing as well, which really you have to massively congratulate Baturbiev on, was that there were numerous occasions in that fight where Anthony Yard looked like he was going to really get on top. And better be of his ability to put the fire out and then put himself back on top. Stunning. He had the last word in pretty much every exchange. Exactly. Even yeah. when Yard was doing his best work of the night. You know, better be was definitely hurt in that fight and on several, you know, more than one occasion. Oh, yeah. Um, well, he, uh, I would say he was stunned. Stunned, yeah. I mean, he, he was He, he was, was never, stunned. at no point in that fight was he hurt seriously, I don't think. I mean, yeah. I, I think I, that right hand that he took in the fifth. Fifth, yeah, that yeah. started, because Yard had already had a good start of the round, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then it was about a minute left, just less than a minute left in the round. He caught him with that right hand. Now, that right hand would have knocked out the vast majority of light heavyweights. Yeah. Better be of, he... Took it. He was shot for a second. He rode the punch well, though. But he rode it well, and it didn't. He wasn't. I. I don't think at any point I didn't see his legs go at all. And yeah. that's the sign of a hurt fighter. I didn't see that. He definitely got stunned. Yeah. Or, or I guess maybe another way of putting it is that when there were moments where he was stunned, and and Yard could have potentially jumped on him and mm. really turned the screw, gone for the finish. Better be have just got an extra wind. I think he has that sense of he's such a complete fighter and so good that even when all his technical skills, he can no longer use them, he's just able to jump into his mental reserves and go, I know what I need to do in this moment. But but, but that's well, I'll just slightly disagree with you there on this. I agree with the overall assessment, but I don't think his technique at any point ever went in the fight. That was what I yeah, found yeah. so impressive and what I wanted to go yeah. into and what I will go into actually in a few minutes when we discuss yeah, yeah. Where, where they're going and where they stand now because it was something that impressed me so much that at no point did I think that Better Be have let, lost his form no. or anything like that. And, and considering the pace that the fight was yeah. fought at, that, that's quite no, astonishing. What, what I was actually saying was it was more a case of when he was stunned and he sort of had to just retreat and, you know... Mm. Could throw punches, right, his, okay. you know, the instincts his, were right. his, his in, yeah, his mental instincts. He just he's able to draw on every sure. last, you know, even when he can't throw a punch back because he has to defend. He's his mind is so on the ball and so astute. He knows what to do. Well, he's at and he's level. confident that he can ride that. Yeah, crisis as well. He's at this level that very few fighters ever reach, which is being in there to have just the fighting instincts. So in the modern era, we've mm. got a few of them about in Tyson Fury. Yeah. Uh, Terence Crawford. Yeah. These guys. Billy Joe Saunders is actually one of them. Yeah. Like, he knows um, what to do mm. in certain situations, just knows his way around the ring. I mean, I think in my lifetime, the sort of most impressive ones were actually around in the same era, and that was Calzaghe, Joe Calzaghe, yes. Bernard yeah, Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were those guys. They knew when they could rest, when they could put put a foot on the pedal, they knew what punches to throw, when, what to do and hurt. They always react, reacted correctly to being hurt. Yeah. You know, and it, actually, Yard did that the week, and I thought he actually had a bit of this. I mean, one thing with Yard is that we'll go into Yard's performance in a second, but he couldn't, you know, what Yard doesn't have, which he desperately needs with his mind, he doesn't know how to take a rest during a fight. And it's not an easy skill to develop. Yeah. He doesn't know how to do it. And he, it cost him, I thought, with a weekend because he was gassed at points where I thought, well, you could have just had a rest. Yeah. And saved yourself for these moments. Yeah. I mean, I he couldn't do it. I thought that one thing that really impressed me about Yard's performance, I mean, there were lots of things, but his ability, I mean, he, he took a lot of 
shots in that fight and he showed a great chin and just great determination. I think it was a case of him. I think he must have gone into this knowing, you know, I'm going to get caught and I'm probably going to get caught flush and I'm going to get hurt. I've got to just bite the bullet, bite down on my gum shield. And when I can throw something back and he did that on several occasions yeah i think he knew going in that he was going to have to fight through fire and mm. and fight from the trenches and the moment actually came earlier probably than he thought it happened it was the last punch of the third round where yard got caught badly yeah by a huge left hook it was right on the ropes at the end of the third it's pretty much the last punch thrown in the third from that moment onwards Anthony was in the trenches. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so he fought essentially for, what, five rounds? Five rounds against Better Beard. Against Better Beard, the hardest, most fearsome puncher around at the moment, but possibly of his generation. Yeah. Pound for pound. You know, no one else has a 100% knockout rate at yeah. this level. level. Yeah. You know, it's, it's virtually unheard of. Better Beard was is that guy. Yard stood up to it and, I mean, showed career best form. In some of those yeah. rounds as well. It was a remarkable effort by Anthony. Uh, just something else. Something you just rarely see by a British fighter in a British ring. Yeah, I mean, he's any doubts, I think, about whether he's truly world level were completely dispelled. I really hope that this is the fight because I, I wonder whether he had the real real confidence and belief that he would beat Better Beard, knowing full well how good Better Beard was. And I really hope he'll come away from this fight now going... Probably going, I put in a brilliant performance against an absolutely fantastic fighter. I've got the confidence to do it. And let's be honest, he's never going to fight a better B of level fighter again. Who, 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 who is he going to fight who's that good? At that? I think he's potential, you know, he should have the confidence now to think he can win a world title. Agreed. You know, he, he, he really should. It. I mean, he can definitely win a, win a world title on that form. And in fact, against pretty much any other fighter on that night is winning the world title. There were probably nights of Betebiev's career that he would have lost that fight. Yeah. yeah. You know, this was just fighting a supreme champion in sort of 100% form. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what Yard came up against on yeah. Saturday night. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There's something special, you know. We just... Come on, it's just when you get a fight like that, it combines all of this stuff. It all combines in sort of this mix. And then you, you get... It's so rare you get it. Yeah. And when you do, you've just got to appreciate it, man. Oh, it was a pleasure to watch. And we had watch. just a challenger who was so hungry mm. to get there, who's also clearly a skilled fighter with a punch. He's yeah. obviously trained like a demon for this fight. And he's just gone in against a generational talent mm. at the absolute peak of his powers mm. in our backyard. Yeah. Uh, in front of like a raucous atmosphere as well. The crowd was brilliant, yeah. man. Just yeah, bang definitely. off it. Yeah, I just thought it all combined. You just get it so so rarely you get those nights in boxing where it all combines to just create an event like that. And we had it at the weekend. It's great. I'm still basking in it. I think all, all the British boxing is. Yeah, no, totally. I watched it. It was one of those fights. I watched it actually with a friend who isn't really into boxing. He watches the odd fight with me, but he's yeah. not like, you know. Now a he's a convert. Or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, well, it was that thing. He just said at the end of it, that's the first fight that's ever really gripped me. And he just loved it, you know. Yeah, no, he was nice. just like, he's a. He's, uh, Anthony Yard's number one fan there now. <laughs> so in terms of where they go from here, presumably, I mean, there's been lots, there have been loads, loads of calls on social media for Yard to step up to, you know, the world-class domestic fighters such as Callum Smith, Lawrence Coley. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say no. But Joshua Barazzi, I mean, these are just obvious fights to make. Yeah. We've now got a period. We talk about the light heavyweights and the cruiserweights often on this show, and we say we've got like this special sort of It is, it's time. a great period. And what y- Yard just pushed that up into the stratosphere there. Mm. He's made these mega events. Anthony Yard against Joshua Barazzi is the biggest fight that London, mm. London has seen mm. for years. Yeah, definitely. The fight's got to happen, mate. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing I've noticed is, especially on social media, Anthony Yard is a, he can, I mean, he will sell big time. I think he will, especially after that showing. He's very popular. Yeah, I think this has just pushed him onto the next level. It's such an honest effort. Yeah. You know, where he showed it, he's got one of those faces where he shows it on his face, doesn't he? Yeah. And he just showed, you couldn't not sort of fall in love with him as a, yeah. a sports fan after watching that. It was just such a great effort. And uh, Better Beev only has one yeah. thing left to do. We don't even have to talk about <laughs> it, mate. Yeah, look, well, Better Beev's got to fight Bivol, yeah. and there's no reason it can't happen. Come on, the yeah. boxing world just has to get this done. That's the one we need next. Core the level, the levels in that fight. I've got a question for you, Joel. Um, I mean, given his. Tremendous performance. Has Anthony Yard been done a bit of a disservice by what we can only call soft matchmaking in between, say, you know, serious fights like this? Yeah, so we, I mean, we talked about it years ago, didn't we, before the Kovalev fight, that this was just too much of a step up at the time. It you said crazy. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I think we both discussed it at the time that it was just a huge step up yeah. to that level. You, but albeit you were convinced it, it was too, too big and I a... thought he would still win that fight. But no, you're right. It, he it is a big jump. But the thing is, if he moving into that Kovalev fight and Anthony Yard with his youth and talent, if he'd just been moved correctly, he, Kovalev was there for the taking, mate. Mm, yeah. mean, Anthony Yard really was better than him. Yeah. Like, in terms of if you look at the now yeah yard a few years removed you know he he now is far better than the kovalev of that night he yeah. would have annihilated kovalev yeah definitely. if he was on his his form his his today form then yeah since the kovalev fight yeah he fought a journeyman in his next fight who had 48 losses and then fought doc spellman so he wins both of these fights in a few rounds then he had that loss to lyndon arthur yeah there's one fight after that then fights Lyndon Arthur again. Great. So he's got those two fights against Lyndon Arthur. Yeah? yeah. They're the only fights he has against ranked opponents. Yeah. Right. Since the Kovalev fight. Yeah. Well, Lyndon Arthur is no preparation for better behav. They yeah. couldn't be more opposites in styles. Mm. So it doesn't help him to have had the Arthur fights. Yeah. yeah. This. So he's had nothing. He's had no preparation. Basically, his prep for the better behav fight was <laughs> bloody Kovalev three years ago. Yeah. No. When I you think... think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's give a, in, in case we haven't made it clear enough, let's give a massive shout out to Anthony Yard for putting on a, easily a fight of the year contender. What a performance. And we also need to give a serious shout out to Arta Betabir because I think we are witnessing greatness on his run currently. And uh, I suspect, you know, if the Bivol fight happens, that could be the, I mean, legacy defining fight for him. But he is... A tremendous fighter. Fantastic. And let's also give a little shout out to our own Joseph Caulfield. Oh, yeah. Why is that? Well, because you did call call it a bit. I caught. What do you mean? Come on, well, you mate. You did say that you thought that Anthony would put in a really good effort and that you thought he had improved significantly from the Kovalev fight. Well, I just didn't see it because I hadn't seen anything that could show me evidence of that. Joe, I think my exact words were that. I am absolutely certain that he will hurt Better Beev in this fight at some point. 
Oh, that's why you were so keen to say that he'd hurt him. Yes. Right, God. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, he, he, he most definitely made Better Beer think more than twice a few times in that fight. He, de- he definitely made him blink. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, yeah, shout out to me getting it right as usual. <laughs> Right, moving swiftly on to the news section. Now, here we go. The biggest fight of the millennium. Jake Paul against Tommy Fury has been announced for the 26th of February in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. BT Sport and ESPN to broadcast it. Finally, we have the fight we've all dreamed of. Joel, what are your thoughts? Show me the money, baby. (laughs) Yeah, this is hilarious, isn't it? Um, This is hilarious. Look, um... What can you say about it? It's just mad. So they did, for those who haven't seen it, they did a kind of WWE style face to face in the ring. Was in the ring before Tommy the had his top off. Fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went full on gypsy style, took the top off, and Gosh. all of this right middle of the ring. Yeah. It became really apparent straight away that Jake Paul is acting, yeah. and Tommy Fury is deadly serious. Yeah, yeah. Jake Paul just looked. He stood in that ring and he looked like he was an actor acting the part. Yeah. And he actually looked a little bit scared, like he couldn't act it very well. Mm. And Tommy Fury is all business. I think he can't believe his blooming luck. Yeah. He's going to annihilate this guy. Yeah. You've got a boxer against someone who's a YouTuber who boxes for fun. And it's, it's it, it, look, it, these ain't games. Yeah, yeah. It's going to go off in that ring and Tommy Fury ain't going to be resting about. Yeah. And, you know, you've got an actor here who is one of the biggest stars in the world who has a team around him that fill him, fill him with shit. Yeah. And that's the reality of someone like Jake Paul's life. Yeah. He doesn't have people around him talking sense. Or telling him what, what's real. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. Or sparring him for real because they just won't do it because they want to come back the next day for their paycheck. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't realise that people are taking it easy on him in the gym. He doesn't realise that people are trying to make money off him outside. Well, he probably does realise that side of things, but I don't think he realises how much trouble he's, he might be in in this fight. Jake Paul, in the middle of that ring, yeah. he started going, Tommy can't handle it. Tommy's an imposter. Yeah. He's not a real fighter. Yeah. He ain't there for the events like me. Yeah. He's not real like me. Yeah. Right. He's saying all this. Well, once he could just flip that on its head and it would be actually accurate. Yeah. You've got someone who isn't a boxer. He's standing there, Jake Paul, as a Disney child, as a YouTube actor. Yeah. Telling a boxer from a traveler family who's been <laughs> fighting since he's five, had an amateur career, yeah. who's now a professional boxer, yeah. fighting professional boxers that he isn't the real fighter, yeah, that yeah. he's the imposter, yeah. that this ain't his stage. Yeah. It's it's clinical madness, mate. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're still unwavering in your belief that Tommy Fury will win this easily. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think Tommy has been, when I look at this, Tommy has been underperforming, I think, quite purposefully in his last few fights in order to get this. He's been scraping the wins. Yeah. Not showing anything so that Jay Paul thinks he's beatable. Yeah. I'm 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 absolutely positive that the Fury family, who are a fighting gypsy family and quite who cunning know, who know the games of the sport, who know how to play people. Yeah. They are cunning, mate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they've just really 
done one on Jake Paul here. Yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see. I'm hoping this YouTuber boxing thing just uh, ceases to exist. Let's yeah. just say that. Um, okay, so let's move on to our next news story. You you might need to go into a bit of detail on this, job because I'm, I'm actually not aware of this, but um, BoxingScene.com has reported that Blair Cobbs has been issued with a cease and desist letter from Victor Ortiz's uh, representatives demanding that he cease accusing Ortiz of using performance enhancing drugs if i'm if i'm right joel blair cobbs basically saw the photo the injury of his foot and said i know what that injury is and why it's caused from peds because i had that injury myself bang on joel yeah. so he was also or has, bang been on, on, joel. has he been honest about ped use before blair cobbs then not that i know of no okay i think he just let his hair down or let his guard down shall i say <laughs> yeah. no, <not> his hair. <laughs> Oh, anyway, it's quite gosh. a funny story anyway to, uh, yeah. yeah social media back and forth right so, well, I mean it's quite big though cease and desist letter because yeah. how on earth can he prove it you know he can't can he so yeah we probably need to watch our mouths yeah you do <laughs> <laughs> right next a news story so Connor Ben that wicked despicable human being he's openly threatened the british boxing border control head robert smith by stating that he will be hearing from his lawyers i mean i don't know again he's doing that thing where he's playing the victim and saying i shall be suing you all because even though i've failed two drug tests and have provided no evidence as to why am i my life you've ruined my life <laughs> Your fault. <laughs> My career's in tatters because of you lot. Oh, what a mug. Well, it's really annoying now, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, actually. Uh, just I saw that as well. He keep his mouth shut. Yeah. He really needs to keep his mouth shut. The problem is, Joel, he's too thick. He's not clever. He's clearly not the brightest, whatever the saying is. Um, and I think now he's in a bit of trouble. You know, most people, like you say, just keep your mouth shut head under the table but no he really has to keep popping up it's just it's very irritating i'm sure i just still struggle to see how he can be so angry with everyone believing that he's taken something when he's failed two drug tests and provided no, no evidence, evidence to the that's country. the thing he it's hasn't so done... strange that he just thinks we should automatically believe him for some reason it's so so strange so, I totally agree i mean in a way it's almost like someone being convicted of a really horrendous offence and by Connor Ben's logic, he'd be in the dock saying, no, he's still innocent yeah, exactly. until I don't know what, but well, he, you can't, you just can't be guilty until you're... <laughs> it's like Nadim Zahawi, yeah, just saying, trust me, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he said, trust me, mate, to me, I'd say, give me a few million and I've yeah. got my silence. Right, um, yeah, so uh, really the whole thing is just horrid. But yeah, let, let's move on. As does... Prince Andrew would say, it's unbecoming. It's unbecoming, yeah. exactly. Right, there are noises, and I think more than noises. Well, I say noises. We've certainly seen a lot on social media, so there have probably been a few leaked stories, maybe to gauge reaction. But Chris Eubank Jr.'s camp suggests he will dispute his loss to Liam Smith on the basis that I think the first, one of the first, the left hook... And and actually, he's right. The left hook 
caught he was caught with the elbow to the side of the head. But these things happen in fights. I mean, quite a cool blimey. How many times Joe Calzaghe was put down by an elbow by Roy Jones? It was a forearm, in fact. I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, it happens. Yeah. If you're throwing punches at someone, you can't expect them to every single time hit you with the fist. You know, your arm extends to your your elbow, your shoulder. Yep. You can even get hit with the shoulder. Who knows? No, absolutely. It's uh, it's uh, yeah. but it's you actually stole my line introducing <laughs> this because that was going to be my take on it. Was yeah. going to be. I think they've just put out feelers in the press just to yeah to gauge reaction. They're not going to put in a. No, they they're won't. not going to actually put in a complaint about this. Are no, they? I mean it would actually harm Eubank Junior's, you know, lofty reputation. I mean, yeah. he's quite a you know popular people have a lot of respect for him, and uh, but but he will apparently activate the rematch clause, and I think I think he's right to do that. Actually, I don't, and I I don't necessarily I'm not of the view which a lot of people have said following this fight that a rematch will be exactly the same. I, I mean, I think you're right that. Eubank probably did find his level in in the fight, but I do think he he I think he's better than what the performance he put in. So I think he should rematch his act, uh, activate the rematch clause because I think he you know he has that warrior spirit and I think he probably will feel rightly that he can do better. So I fully support him activating oh, the rematch God, clause, yeah. but do not <laughs> contest that loss. You got beaten fair and square. So there we go. Something you said there, Joe, actually, that I wanted to bring up, yeah. um, just slightly separate issue, is that, that you said about Eubank being popular at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I've actually found this quite an interesting thing, how fickle sports fans are. Don't get me wrong, he is far more popular than he was six months ago. Oh, He's yeah. not that villain of the piece. Yeah. But the amount of people now that a couple of weeks ago were sort of favouring Eubank in the fight, oh, and yeah. now we're saying that Eubank is Awful. terrible and, that he's, and yeah. he's a fraud. He and isn't. he should basically not box again no. and all of this. I mean, the amount, but the amount of people I hear sort of just saying this point of view, I just think, oh, God, we're so fickle, aren't we? Yeah, no, I, no, t- I totally not. agree. Listen, it can happen to anyone. He got he got stunt, he got caught in a fight and he never recovered. And that's happened God knows how many times in a boxing ring. Yeah, and you I know. think that lack of, fund- <laughs> look, look, lack of fundamentals didn't help him. Yeah. Lack of this, lack of that didn't help him. He don't listen to no one. Nothing we've heard recently on Bunce's uh, podcast last, what was it, Bunce? Anyway, somebody was talking about how Ronnie Davis, if you catch him, you know, in a quiet moment, will tell you that it frustrates him, you know, to the end of the world, that Chris at his age still won't listen to him and yeah. won't do what needs to be done as a boxer. They know what needs to be done. Chris don't. Yeah. And gets, but that's, that's him, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes with boxers... If they don't indulge that side of themselves, all of the stuff that they're good at in the ring doesn't come out, you know. The other thing as well is that, um, I mean, I think, you know, he's, it could be that he's a bit of a chip off the old block because Chris Eubank, I mean, Chris Eubank Sr. was a bit of a trendsetter in that he, you know, he was one of those first fighters who, or one of those fighters who, in the modern era, who just said, no, I know what I'm worth. Um, I, I need. I'm not going to be dictated to by the promoters. He had a. He was good enough and had enough of a platform to do that. But I wonder whether Junior is also. He's he's too headstrong for his own good. No, the problem is, is that Junior follows that attitude into the ring and into the gym. 
Yes. Yeah. So that is absolutely Chris, Chris Jr.'s attitude out of the ring and was Senior's attitude out of the ring in negotiation stuff. I mean, you know, as much as Barry Hearn loves Chris Eubank Senior, mm. he says he was a nightmare to negotiate with. You know, he was a yeah. difficult person. Yeah. You know, and yeah, he's he been a nightmare to negotiate with on behalf of Junior. <laughs> as so that, that, that's undoubted out of the ring, absolutely. But in the ring, yeah. no, Chris Eubank Senior used to listen to Ronnie Davis. Yeah. You know, yeah. you would see them in the corner. Ronnie Davis had slapped the shit out of him if he didn't think he was listening. Yeah. Now, Senior didn't turn around and say, oh, fuck off, like Junior's done to Davis in the past, in the ring. Yeah. You know, don't talk to me like that. You know, this sort of business. Has he done that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shocking. It's, it's terrible how he acts, you know. So, but what I'm saying is, it's that is Junior. Mm. And sometimes, you know, if he's not the type to listen to someone, well, there's no point trying to get him to. Yeah. You know, you can do it. you just got to kind of indulge that in people sometimes to get the best out of them. I think yeah. he's one of them. But Interesting. He, he would be better if he didn't have that attitude, but he does. Right, here's another news story. So rumours abound that Terence Crawford will sign with Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy Promotions and therefore disown. Joel, what can you tell us about this? Well, Terence and Oscar met for lunch recently. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> I wonder what he had. <laughs> Steak tartare. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. I reckon Oscar weren't hungry, mate. So... <laughs> Have you seen Oscar in the, on social media recently? He's, I uh, no, no. You know, he's quite fond of uh, showing his. I say six pack. It's more of a, you know, when you get to that age, your belly kind of just protrudes out, no matter what you do. Oh, I wouldn't know. Joe. It kind of protrudes out, but he's got like, you know, you can tell yeah, I know that build you're talking it's about. It's not like yeah, a yeah. slim six pack. Yeah. It's like an old man six pack. It's like six a six pack moulded into a sort of yeah. rotund frame. Anyway. um Back to the story. Yeah, look, they got together. They've both been putting out sort of uh, friendly noises since Terence Crawford badly needs a promoter. Mm. But Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy promotions badly need a fighter. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The zone could do with a huge signing. Yeah. I think this might happen, actually, yeah. No, interesting. Uh, Let's see what happens moving forward right let's preview a couple of fights we've got amanda serrano against erica cruz which is for the undisputed featherweight titles and alicia baumgarner against ellen mechaled for the undisputed junior lightweight titles i don't think our previews are going to be particularly detailed because i think there's only one way both these fights are going (laughs) quite frankly given their pedigree and the opposition Amanda Serrano really should win very comfortably. And Alicia Baumgardner, who I'm very high on for reasons other than her boxing ability, although I'm very high on that, she's a stunner. She she will win the undisputed junior lightweight title. She's also good friends with Sky Nicholson, Joel, so, you know. Oh, she really- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Baumgardner. Yeah. Moving back to the previews, I, I mean, yeah, this is two undisputed fights, so that's that's obviously good but uh again the quality of the opponents which is something that the women's division will you know almost certainly improve upon as time goes on i can't see either of these two giving them even any problems really no i think we'll just review these ones next week won't we yeah see how they performed right the kinahan of the week right so we've got we've gone for a slightly different approach to the Kinahan of the week. So listeners might not know this, but there's been some widely circulated video footage of Kel Brook, 
fantastic British fighter, recently retired after his Amir Khan fight. Uh, uh, snorting cocaine. What was he doing? I haven't seen this. What was the actual? Well, yeah, what was so going on? the the video was. It looked like I presume was a mate or um, someone he knew at the least, sort of standing where you are from me, not far away, maybe I don't know, three or four foot, and he's got there's the white powder on the table, and Kel's got something that looks like a twenty pound, oh, you know, like a pat yeah. note, and he and he has a line. And then once he's done it, he does, you know, a couple of punches. So what, but anyway, my point is that this video, which was obvious, which was presumably between friends or close confidence has now been released on social media. My point is that not that Kel Brooks, the Kinahan of the week for doing it. I mean, that was a private moment between, like I say, friends. And I don't know how it's got released, but whoever's released it, shame on you, because all that's going to do is cause Kel... A lot of problems presumably now he's gonna to have to you know whatever explain it to his family or blah 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 could just be that like he's we- a comfortable recreational user and it's not even a problem but also Kelbrook now can't make his comeback he wanted to come back and fight liam smith is he going to come back? I mean, I, well, I don't know, I don't... but what I'm saying is is that the option's not there now because the british boxing board of control as soon as he activates that license now will ban him yeah yeah and, and and because someone for whatever reason yeah, his so called mate thought okay oh, this this is yeah, you can't mess with people's lives like that no and I I just like I say I you know I I I honestly dread to think like if one of my mates released some of the WhatsApp conversations we've well, had I mean, <laughs> my life is in ruins look. As you it's say, private you, moments, every, everyone so. does stuff that they shouldn't do in private and you do not expect people that are essentially partaking with you to yeah. then out you to the world, especially as a celebrity like Kel. But yeah. I think that is just awful for them. Look, Kel, keep your bloody nose clean. Everyone out there should keep their nose clean, let's face it. Yeah. However, you do not You've done nothing about, wrong, really, in, a, in my opinion. It's your business. You know business, what I mean? That's his business. Who why. has done something wrong is the fella who... Is just decided, you know, people do these days that people don't deserve privacy and you just you just throw their life. Uh, all the gory details out in public, why not? Uh, Kel's life is just entertainment, eh? No, exactly. It's And I totally agree with you on that. I mean, it's it's, it's horrible when, pe- when people do that. Did you also see that video of Billy Joe Saunders? He posted a telephone conversation with Ben Shaw. I mean, Billy Joe Saunders is worthy of a Kinnahan of the Year award for, on his own for his antics. Now, why Ben Shalom thought that this may be kept secret anyway? <laughs> exactly. know, but, but basically, we don't know what's gone on here yeah. because... He was sort of talking cryptically. They were both talking cryptically, weren't they, on, yeah. the, on this call about this something yeah. has happened. Yeah. The boxer, Sky, Shalom, someone needs to weigh out Billy Joe Saunders with a lot of money. Yeah. And they were discussing that on this video. Yeah. It's clearly a private conversation that Billy Joe has then just broadcast on. Yeah, and I, th- I think as well, Ben Shalom said at one point in the conversation that Sky have fu- fucked him. Fucked Those him were the use, life, yeah. words he used. Yeah. So that makes life a bit potentially difficult for Ben Shalom now. Well, of course it does. You know, but it also, well, it does. But from, Well, certainly, I mean, there's, he, contractually, he's probably, you know, a very minor thing, but he's mm. in breach of contract because yeah. he's, you know, he said something negative about, about Sky. Sky. Absolutely. No, no, you're 100%. There'll be, there'll be real problems there for Ben. Also, Ben Shalom's a young guy making 
working his way in the game. Mm. He's not the most confident, let's mm. face it, you know, compared to sort of everyone else in boxing. Mm. He's a pretty self-effacing, this guy. Yeah. Um, Billy Joe Saunders, good luck getting a promoter, getting a manager, getting anything for the rest of your career, mate. No, I think he's a, a bit. Of, he is a scumbag. I really do think. I mean, I, at, at some points in the past, I found him mildly amusing. But some of the stuff he's done, and you know, just look up on social media, basically. So Billy Joe Saunders, and whoever it was who sort of ratted on Kelbrook, you are our Kinnahans of the week. How dare you? Right, moving on. So uh, the magazine lottery section from last week was an interesting one because I got a copy of... So, the yeah, the magazine lottery uh, was an interesting one because I drew a copy of Boxing News dated April the 21st, 1995. And on the front cover was Big George Foreman, Golden Grandpa was the headline. Big George weighs in for another sack full of cash. I mean, it is funny, actually, because he really was fighting for massive money then. <laughs> You've got to love George Foreman. I mean, what a legend. So the article itself was by Harry Mullen, and, and it talks about George Foreman's impending fight against Axel Schultz. Now, I'm not, I'm not actually going to go through the article per se, because it's actually the stories around this fight that are really interesting. So for anyone who, who, who doesn't um, realise this uh, or know, George Foreman basically uh, c- came out of retirement in, his, in the 90s, I think in his, in his early 40s, and decided that he wanted to you know, essentially pursue a second career in boxing. He was a massive heavyweight in the 70s. He, he won a world title. He absolutely demolished Joe Frazier. He was a destructive force, won an Olympic gold medal. And then he came crashing back down to earth when he took on the one and only Muhammad Ali, the rumble, not the rumble in the jungle. The, no, it was. Oh, sorry, the rumble in the jungle and lost uh, shockingly and in a massive upset to Muhammad Ali, who essentially won that fight with his rope-a-dope tactics. He he essentially let George Foreman punch himself out before, you know, pouncing on him in the eighth round when George had no nothing left in the in the tank. So anyway, moving on, his George's career I think never really recovered after that Muhammad Ali defeat and he sort of entered the wilderness. He turned to God. I think he might have even become a pastor at some point. He was certainly a man of the church. And then, like I say, fast forward to the 90s, he decides to come back to boxing. He actually started his comeback in 87. Oh, he started it in 87. But, but he uh, did a very long He had back. a very... I think he might have had 20-odd fights, actually. He before yeah. he had a title fight. Exactly, yeah. Yep. So, no, you're right on that one. Anyway, this culminated in as George Foreman actually he fought Evander Holyfield for the world title. Who else did he fight? Tommy Morrison for his world title was Tommy champion at that point. Mm, he was a WBO champ. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I think so. You think he might have? Well, had... no, he wasn't champion. I think it was a vacant fight. Actually, was it Evander was, it was Holy... a vacant? It was a vacant title fight. It was a vacant title fought, fight. So he did fight Evander Holyfield for the world undisputed title. world title, and he lost that. So that was Holy. I think that might have been Holyfield's first fight after Buster Douglas. Yeah, yeah, it might. Yeah, I'm pretty I sure right. it was. Yeah. It, yeah. it was in that few fights afterwards, anyway. Yeah, and he had, he had a cracker Holyfield with uh, Burke Cooper yeah. in that period. Oh yeah, he was well, one of that's... my favourite nineties heavyweights. <laughs> that's the one with the old Philly <laughs> Philly shell defence, which yeah. weren't much of a defence. It was just a cross of your <laughs> yeah. arms. Don't hit me. It was basically like <laughs> us in the assembly hall, mate, with our arms crossed. <laughs> you know what I mean? We weren't providing much cover for that chin. <laughs> oh, so funny. 
So anyway, Big George continued on his quest. He, I mean, he he notable victories against the likes of you know Jerry Cooney and so on and so forth. Anyway, came to him uh, getting another crack at the world title against Michael Mora, who wasn't a natural heavyweight. Fantastic southpaw fighter, though, brilliant uh, fighter. And in that fight, Big George was losing very comfortably until he. Pulled out that right hand from God, that sledgehammer, and just nailed Michael Mora, who went down. And lo and behold, we have a, I think he's 45 years of age. He has regained the heavyweight championship of the world. And it was the lineal heavyweight championship of the world as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a massive, massive sports story at the time. Just goes to show you how good George Foreman was, because... No one really does that at his age. And then heavyweight division as well. Like, I mean, incredible. Anyway, George Foreman's a world champion. And who's he going to fight in his first title defence? Well, he didn't really fancy fighting anyone decent. Let's be brutally honest about this. Because his first title defence was against the German challenger, Axel Schultz. And you're probably going, who's that? Anyway, at the time, so were most of the boxing world, Axel Schultz wasn't even a ranked top 10 heavyweight at the time. So technically, he shouldn't even have been allowed to fight under the IBS rules, George Foreman, because George Foreman, would, uh, under their rules, would have to take on a top 10 challenger. Now, this... So you're saying that he's one of those guys that just appeared in the IBF top 15 ratings out well, of rankings out of nowhere? Yeah, so what happened was actual Axel Schultz... In essence, the story... This, this is the story. George Foreman or his camp wanted an easy first offence, right? And I, I think George Foreman... Was he being promoted by Bob Arum at the time? He would have been, yeah. Yeah, he would have been being yeah. promoted. In fact, by, he definitely he was, was yeah. being yeah. promoted yeah. by yeah. Bob Arum was, at the yeah. time. So Bob Arum decides to pay, at almost certainly Bobby Lee's request, uh, $100,000. And as I say, lo and behold, Axel Schultz finds himself moved up to number nine in the rankings, which means he can now take on big George Foreman in his first heavyweight defence, which everyone thinks is going to be an easy peasy victory well on the night big george foreman was pr pretty much beaten quite comfortably it was an excellent performance by shorts who consistently beat foreman to the punch he just I mean, boxed foreman, him, didn't he? foreman just showed his age in that fight and that's something he he'd done to be fair in some of his fights on the combat chart if i remember against tommy morrison he was pretty lethargic in that fight he was he just by this point george has to be really economical with how he fought he yeah. didn't have any stamina and he just had to just wait for his moment now against the vast majority of opponents he would always find that moment yeah and he didn't on this night yeah so go to the scorecards and unbelievably well, not unbelievably, because it's boxing. Big George Foreman gets the decision victory. And um, what was even more funny, actually, after that, was that I think the IB, because there was such an uproar about the result, the IBF ordered an immediate rematch. And I think Big George decided no, no to thanks. vacate the belt. He yep. vacated the IBF belt. He said, no thanks. So I think he went on... His next fight was for the lineal championship and maybe the WBU or some yeah, very he, minor he, trinket. He, there were a few sort of minor belts in the 90s that yeah. He, he, yeah, he took on. And actually, the WBO, they weren't far behind these belts, mate. Now, I mean, part of this story, which is quite interesting, is that the 
I think it was the United States government or some sort of department of their, you know, government. They decided uh, to try and tackle corruption in boxing. And one of the things that they did when they brought this case against the IBF, and I, th- I, d- I think Bobby Lee was found guilty, not of all charges, but of maybe six of 30 odd. But, you know, the charges seem to be things like, you know, corruption, racketeering, bribes, all that kind of stuff. Bob Arum testified in court and he said, you know, I paid $100,000 at this request. And then I think what happened was when they, when the IBF ordered the immediate rematch, I think they wanted another 100000 from Bob. And I think Bob said, get lost. You're not getting any another penny from me. Um, but I mean, it's something we spoke about a lot on this podcast, the shenanigans and the corruption of, of boxing. And it, and it's so funny. Someone's so you'd look at George Foreman and you just think this, you know, whiter than white got the face of an angel. He's a man of God, but behind the scenes, you've got this, 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 you know, duplicitous, you know, dodgy thing going on. I mean, who knows? I'm sure he must've known. How well, can you, you not that... know about this? Sort Joe, of stuff? Joe, Joe, Joe. When you, <sighs> It's the way of the world, mate. It is, right? yeah. Because they do say that power corrupts. Yeah, well, how much power did Big George have in that right yeah, hand? Do you know what I mean? He yeah. must have been the most corrupt motherfucker in boxing <laughs> history, mate. No, I don't blame him. No, so um, anyway, I, th- I I don't know who George fought after that. I think he had a few more fights before retiring. Well, yeah, well, he ended up losing. His last fight was to Shannon Briggs. Oh, he did lose fight, to Shannon Briggs. Lost on points in another snoozer, which then left Shannon Briggs as the lineal champion which he then lost to Lennox Lewis, which Lennox Lewis then retired. It's amazing that Shannon Briggs was a lineal heavyweight mm. champion. 90s heavyweight boxing Mental. was so fun, mate. Yeah, it gosh, was so what a story. Fun. Should we just use this this moment to just plug plug a YouTube channel, Rummy's Corner? Yeah. They do a video called the A Brief Chronology of 90s yes, Heavyweight. Yes, I've seen that. It's and brilliant. it is outstanding. Yeah. It is just a rundown of every major heavyweight fight in You've the 90s. You've got the footage as well. Yeah, got you can the watch footage, it. gives you the context of every fight. It's absolutely fantastic. I recommend it to anyone. Good shout, Joel. Well done. So, yeah, that's my uh, story from the magazine Lottery. You know, that I just thought it was so hilarious, the whole accident, you know, the fact that essentially the fight was made on the basis of a bribe to give him an easy defence, which he then should have lost, but he didn't because corruption's rife, so the scorecards were in his favour. And then afterwards, he decides to vacate the IBF belt because they want him to rematch Schultz to try and, you know... Uh, remedy this injustice. I mean, it's just mental. And, and therefore, in his next fight, fights <laughs> a guy called Crawford Grimsley for the, yeah, well, that for the like... heavyweight championship. <laughs> Only in boxing. Oh, gosh. Right, Joe, I think it's your turn right, to pick You know what? Magazine. I'm not going to pick something out because I, I can see the magazine I want. It's poking out just, there. Just, so I'm just going to take it. Just take the magazine you All want. Right. You've been dying to do a story. I don't know what it is, but you've obviously been dying to do a story on this for ages. What have you got, Joel? Right, so I've got boxing news from July 23rd, 2004. Yeah. And on the front cover is a big picture of the Brixton bomber, Danny Williams, training seven days to go for his fight against, till his fight against Mike Tyson. Wow, yeah. And that night of boxing is one of my favourite nights of boxing. And so I really, I can tell you right now that next week we will be looking at Mike Tyson versus Danny Williams. Excellent. Good choice, Joel. Well done. Right, I think that brings us to a swift conclusion on this week's 
events in boxing. What a fantastic sport. Actually, this week has been really good. It's got me feeling very positive about boxing again, mainly due to Anthony Yard and Arta Betabiev. So thank you, you two. And long may it continue. Joel, any last words? Love you all. But on this night in particular, I love you, Anthony Yard. Yes. And on that note, goodbye. Thank you.